0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: Now look at verse 19. Jeremiah speaking. Oh Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. Just stop right there. What, What a wonderful verse. Jeremiah here found his strength and his refuge in the Lord in the midst of his affliction, in the day of his affliction.
0: In today's message, Pastor Dan will encourage you to never give up on the Lord. In times when it seems like the world will collapse in and on itself at any moment, trust the Lord. When it feels like your relationships won't last long enough for the sun to come up, trust the Lord. The Lord will never leave you or forsake you. So when things seem bleak, cling to the Lord with the same patience and commitment that He gives to you. In all of history, He has never failed. And He won't start now. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 16 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: of course, it comes as no surprise because God warned them over and over in the law of Moses uh, that if they do rebel against him and they forsake him and they go after other gods, he's going to remove them from the land. You know, God brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. He's the one who delivered them. They would still be slaves in Egypt if it wasn't for God. He brought them out. He brought them into the promised land. It was his land. He put them in that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so he has a right to remove them from the land and take them out. And that's what he does. They're not following his rules. They're not walking in his ways. They refuse to repent. They refuse to turn. And so God's going to send them out of the land and he's going to send them into Babylon, he says here, where they can serve other gods night and day. And the idea here of what God is saying is, you know, you, you want to serve other gods? Then I'm going to send you into a land where you can serve those other gods night and day. And just indulge your desire, all that you want there. And listen, if we're stubborn enough, if we're stiff-necked enough, God will give us what we want. He'll give us what we want. He'll let us have our way. But look what it says here. Look what it says. It comes at a very high price. It costs us the favor of God. God says, where I will not show you favor. He's going to give them what they want. But he's going to remove his favor from them. He's going to remove his grace. He's going to remove his blessing from them. You know, it says in the Psalms, talking about the children of Israel and their constant uh, rebellion against God and their constant, you know, hard heart and stiff neck against God. It says that God gave them the desires of their heart, but he sent leanness to their soul. So there's a trade there. He'll give you what you want, but he's going to send leanness to your soul. He'll give you what you want. But he's going to remove his favor your relationship with God will suffer you'll no longer have his grace you'll no longer have his favor you'll no longer have his hand of blessing upon your life but you'll get what you want now now verse fourteen and we've we've seen this pattern so many times uh, in Jeremiah we saw it in Isaiah too where where God talks about this judgment that is to come, and then it's like He can only talk about it for so long, and He He's gotta He's gotta say something encouraging. You know, and so now verse 14, he gives this promise. Yes, the children of Israel will go into captivity because of their rebellion, but that's not gonna be the end of the story. God will bring them back. There, there's a hope, there's a future for the children of Israel. Just like for us, there's a future and a hope for us, right? right? Jesus is going to come back and receive us unto himself, that where he is, there we may be also, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And so there's this, this future hope that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. So he says now in verse 14, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he has driven them. For I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. So God's going to bring them back into their land. He's going to send them into captivity in Babylon, but then he's going to bring them back. And just as God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, he will also deliver them out out of Babylon. They'll be redeemed once again. By God. And so he gives them this, this hope here. Hope with the judgment. It was just two verses. (laughs) And then in verse 16, he goes right back to talking about Babylon. Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterward, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill, And out of the holes of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face. Nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Nothing is hidden from God. We can't hide anything from him. He knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Verse verse 18. And first I will repay double for their iniquity. And their sin. And the idea there is they're going to get what they deserve. Because they have defiled my land. They have filled my inheritance. With the carcasses of their detestable. And abominable. Idols. The Babylonians. He describes them here as as fishermen. They're going to be like fishermen. Who cast their net out. And they're going to catch everything. In that net. Uh, And then he describes them as hunters. Who go upon every mountain hunting for the people of Judah. And the idea here is the people of Judah will not be able to escape the Babylonians when they come. They're going to try to flee to the mountains and hide in the caves, but the Babylonians are going to hunt them down like prey and capture them or kill them. And those that they uh, don't kill, they're going to take as slaves back to Babylon. Now look at verse 19, Jeremiah speaking. Oh, Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. You can just stop right there. I mean, what, what a wonderful verse. Jeremiah here found his strength and his refuge in the Lord in the midst of his affliction, in the day of his affliction. But just, a, just a couple other verses for you. Psalm 46 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, what does that mean, that God is a very present help? It means that God is always available to help us in our time of trouble. He's always right there, ready to jump in when we ask him and help us. He's waiting. He's standing by waiting for us to ask him to help us in our time of trouble. In Psalm 27, David says, In the time of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling place. He will hide me in the shelter of his sanctuary. In my time of trouble. I think about David. David writes those psalms. Uh, he writes that as he is on the run for his life. He's running for his life from King Saul, who's hunting him down, trying to kill him. David's hiding in the mountains. He's hiding in caves in the desert. Always just kind of one, one step ahead of King Saul and Saul's uh, army. And yet David's able to write, in, in the time of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling place. He will hide me and the shelter of his sanctuary. David's trust was not in the mountains. His trust was not in the caves. His trust was in the Lord. The Lord will keep me safe. In his dwelling place. He will hide me. In the shelter of his sanctuary. For David in his time of trouble. In his time of affliction. What did David do? He took refuge in God. He took refuge in God. In Psalm 57, David says, I will, listen to this one, this one's great. I will take shelter in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Isn't that good? I will take shelter in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Here's here's what David does, and, and you should take note of this. David says, I'm going to take shelter in the shadow of his wing. I'm going to get as close as I can get to God, and I'm going to stay right there as close as I can be to God until this disaster passes by, until the trouble's over. And I'm I'm going to park myself right here under his wing, and I'm going to stay here until the storm goes by. Now, how do you do that practically? By spending time with the Lord in the Word, just sitting alone with the Lord in your Bible, prayer, fellowship, being around the body of Christ, serving the Lord. Just as much as I can be, I'm going to be around the Lord. I'm going to be near the Lord. I'm going to draw near to Him. I'm going to be in His presence until this thing just passes by, until I just get through this and I come out the other side of it, I'm going to stay as close to the Lord as I can be. That's good advice. That's how you get through a difficult time.
0: We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to
1: extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com.
0: Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is CalvaryEC.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message.
1: It's how you get through the storms of life that come. And here at Jeremiah, look what he says again in verse 19 the Lord is my strength. You know, when I when I'm when I'm weak, when I'm discouraged, we've seen that with Jeremiah already, where he's just been discouraged. Where he's been heartbroken. Uh, where he's, you know, the people remember the people of his own hometown were seeking to kill him, and David is, a, or I'm sorry, uh, Jeremiah is just left kind of alone, you know, this this kind of this lone voice out there in the wilderness. And here he says, "The Lord is my strength when I'm weak, when I'm discouraged, when I can't go on. The Lord is my strength; He's my fortress." is my stronghold, is my place of safety. That's what that means. The Lord my place of safety, my place of protection. The Lord is my refuge. Literally, the word here, my refuge, it literally means my place of escape, place I flee to in the day of trouble, place I run to for shelter in the day of trouble. What about you? What about you? What's your refuge in the day of trouble? What, what's your place of escape when troubles come? Is it television? I just escape sitting in front of the TV or the Internet, or a bar or a beer? or exercise or food or sports? What's your place of escape? How do how do you just disconnect? Man, when I'm overwhelmed. How do you disconnect? How do you escape? Well for us the Lord Jesus Christ should be our place of escape in the day of affliction. He should be our fortress that we run into. He he should be our strength when we're weak. He should be our our refuge. Says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. Then he goes on in verse nineteen to say, The Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness, and unprofitable things. Verse twenty: Will a man make gods for himself which are not gods? Here he gives this prophecy about the Gentiles. Here the children of Israel, God's people, they have rejected God, they've forsaken God, they've turned their back on God, but he gives us this prophecy about the Gentiles. The Gentiles shall come to you. And I love prophecies like this about the Gentiles, because I'm a Gentile. And you probably are too. Most of us here, if not all of us here, are probably Gentiles. And so I like seeing verses that talk about the Gentiles coming to the Lord And knowing God and knowing his salvation. The Gentiles shall come to you. Uh, Back in Isaiah, we saw in Isaiah chapter 60, the Gentiles shall come to God's light. Uh, In our study of the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings, when we were in John chapter 10, where Jesus was talking about being the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Remember, Jesus said, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Speaking of the Gentiles. He's got other sheep that are not of the fold of Israel, the Gentiles, non-Jews. Them I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock, the church. You know, made up of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. They become the one flock with one shepherd, Jesus Christ. He's the one shepherd, the good shepherd. And so there's this prophecy here, about the Gentiles will come. Right, It talks about in Romans, Paul talks about how uh, the Jews, uh, because they've rejected Jesus Christ, they're, they're blinded in part, and they've been cut off from the olive tree temporarily, they're going to be brought back in, but the Gentiles have been grafted in to the olive tree. You know, this wild branch, it's described in Romans, has been grafted into the cultivated olive tree which, by the way, genetically is not possible to do. You, you could not, in Paul's day, graft a wild olive branch into a cultivated olive tree. It's only by the grace of God that any of us are saved and are part of the family of God. There's no other explanation for it. And Paul says that we now get to enjoy the root and fatness of, of the olive tree, we, we that's why we're doing an Old Testament study, right we're enjoying the root and fatness of the Old Testament of the old covenant that God made with his people, right we're enjoying the the goodness of it being grafted in to the tree one day he's going he's going to bring the children of Israel back in. Uh, he's not finished with the Jewish people, but the Gentiles shall come from the ends of the earth, right? From everywhere. Uh, In Revelation, we see a picture of heaven. In Revelation chapter 5, we see the people of God gathered around the throne of God. and And we're told that there are people out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation gathered around the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, worshiping him for redeeming us to himself by his blood. So there's going to be people there out of every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every, every people from the ends of the earth. And look at what they say. The Gentiles will come and they'll say, surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness and unprofitable things. This, this will be their testimony. Uh, that they'll recognize that, uh, you know, they'll recognize the emptiness and the worthlessness of what they believed before they came to know the Lord. Right? And probably for some of you, uh, you know, you can look back on your life before Christ and you just see the worthlessness and the emptiness of the things that you believed. And you see the lies that you believed, right? That you were just kind of following the course of the world and you realize now that you were believing a lie and, and you, you know, maybe you feel a little duped. Uh, And just how worthless and empty and unprofitable those things were. That's what they say here. And he he gives us an example of what they believed and how uh, foolish it was. He says, will a man make gods for himself which are not gods? I mean, you you can kind of hear in those words of the Gentiles, kind of their own uh, shock at the fact that they actually believed that we you know, we were so foolish to trust in a God that we made ourselves. What kind of God is that? If you make it yourself, what can it possibly do for you? And then they're kind of saying here, we were, we were that blind that we actually believed in a God of our own making. Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand. And my might, and they shall know that my name is Jehovah. Speaking of the Gentiles. God promises in verse 21 to reveal himself, to reveal his power and his greatness to the Gentiles. And that revelation has come through Jesus Christ and through the preaching of the gospel. Throughout the world. And all over the world, Gentiles, non Jews, are coming to know the, the power and the greatness and the name of the true and living God, the name of Jehovah. Isn't that great? That here, you know, we're reading something that is, you know, 2,600 years old, this prophecy. And we all are part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. You know, we are the Gentiles who've come to the Lord. We are the Gentiles who've come to know the name of the Lord God, Jehovah, and his son, Jesus Christ. We are the ones who've experienced his power, right? In our own lives. You know, Romans chapter 1 says that the gospel is the power of God. You know, when it talks about uh, God creating the stars in the sky and the heavens, that's described as his handiwork. But when it talks about saving you and saving me through the gospel, that's described as the power of God. The power of God to make people that are spiritually dead, spiritually alive. That's the power of God. And we as Gentiles have experienced the power of God. We've, we've come to know His hand and His might and His name, right? Jesus Christ, the name above all names.
2: He asked me how I know, and I say, "Ring truer than the finest crystal.
0: When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequences. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile. But think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what He's offering. But like a patient parent, He gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following Him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose Him wholeheartedly, and He wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful, but He'll bring judgment on those who refuse His ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah, and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see
2: the signs and I recognize her.